Our scripture this morning comes from John's Gospel. You know, one of these days I'm going to get around to studying the other three. <laughs> but John is just so darn good. <laughs> John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Jesus went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, as we hear this story of your son Jesus, in John's Gospel. Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Give us your word in this place at this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you remember when you were a kid? Maybe playing together with the kids in the neighborhood and you had this secret code language that only you kids knew the meaning of. Now, we had this in the circle where I lived, and my next-door neighbor, Diane Wallace, and I, we had our own secret code language for when we wanted to go somewhere and do something, but we didn't want our parents to exactly know what we were doing. Not that it was bad, it was just fun being secret, if you will. There was also a time 
when I had some friends out of state, and any time I would visit my aunt, we had this certain bird call. And any time I got into town, I would walk down the dirt road to their house, and I would make this bird call, and they would know exactly what that call was, and they would meet me about halfway up the road. But Diane and I used to stick notes in our chain-link fence that separated our houses whenever we wanted to get together. So there was always this kind of secret language, if you will. And really, if you think about it, when we become adults, it doesn't change a whole lot. I laugh when I say that because some people that are not inside the church, when they hear our church language, they think it's some kind of secret code. But adults are good about coming up with specific ways to say things that are hard, maybe, without, without actually coming out and say them. Remember when the kids were little and you would be talking, their parents or another adult in the room and you'd say, well, it's almost time for the kids to go to BED. Remember that? But then as they always do, they grow up and they learn to spell. And we can't spell in front of them anymore. We have to come up with other ways to say some difficult things. Um, we may say something like, well, Paul had to go away for a while. Or Paul went to be with Jesus. Different ways to say hard things to those that might not understand. Well, if you look at our text today, and you look at John's gospel, John had his own way of using code words, if you will, or saying things in today's gospel. John's gospel talks about Jesus' hour, or his time. When John retells the stories about Jesus and his ministry, usually there are two things that are very evident in John's gospel, and they're miraculous signs and usually clashes with the Jewish leaders. And the responses to those events were very different from each other. Some people wanted to crown Jesus. They wanted to honor him. They wanted to seek after him. But then the others wanted to kill him. And as human nature goes, the more that the interest in Jesus grew and people were attracted to him and wanted to honor him, the more people there were that wanted his death. I like the image of Jesus in a video game or a pinball game where Jesus is going back and forth 
between all the, event, the events of his ministry, trying to dodge, being in the spotlight. Jesus was not one that wanted to bring the spotlight to him. He was here on a mission from his father, and that didn't necessarily include the spotlight. But there were two very significant things that happened in John's gospel, kind of back to back, that kind of kept Jesus in the spotlight. And the very first thing was the raising up of Lazarus, raising Lazarus from the dead. That was an amazing event in that day and time. And there were many that were there with Mary and Martha that day, and they witnessed this raising of Lazarus from the dead. And so, as you can imagine, the crowds that began to follow Jesus began to grow. They began to grow. And as those crowds grew, the Roman authorities got more and more anxious. They could see their control in this situation slipping away from them. They began to fear these crowds as they continued to gather around Jesus and to grow. And so the next huge event was they began to be very open about wanting to get rid of Jesus. So much so that it drove Jesus and his disciples into the wilderness. It drove them there so they could be out of the spotlight. And they stayed there for a while in the, in the wilderness until he made his way back to Jerusalem. And we all know what it was like the day that he entered into Jerusalem. So try as he might, he could not get out of the spotlight. And the thing that kind of started the ball rolling as he moved towards Jerusalem was a bunch of Greeks who had come to see him. They had come to see him. And now what's significant about this is they had come from the far corners of the kingdom. Word about Jesus had spread so far and so fast that they wanted to see what all the buzz was about. So they traveled all of that way to see Jesus. We see the words of the scripture fulfilled here from Isaiah 56, where it says, These I will bring to my holy mountain." And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And that was very important, the coming of the Greeks to see Jesus. And Jesus knew that he knew that he knew that his time was about to be. His time, 
His hour had come. Jesus code words, if you will, to his disciples where the hour has come. It is time. These are both code words for Jesus' death. He knows that the time of his death is close. And he begins to talk about it more and more. We recognize, don't you? A lot of times as our loved ones approach that time of death, they begin to talk about it more and more. And the more they talk, the more uncomfortable we become, don't we? But that's a part of the process. Jesus knew that his time was close at hand. And so he began to talk about it and share about it with his disciples. You can tell that it was heavy on his mind. He even said in the scriptures that he was troubled by the thoughts that he was having. He was troubled. And this is the Son of God who was having these troubling thoughts. And he did have options. He presented them in the scripture. He said, do I dare call my daddy to get me out of this situation? No. The purpose of a savior is to give his life so that others may be saved. The purpose of a grain of wheat is to die. So as it falls to the ground and is nestled in the dirt, more spring up, more spring up. So Jesus' choice is to save his own life or to save the life of the people that his Father God sent him to save. So he speaks his choice here in John. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it does, it produces many seeds. Many seeds. He is the seed who will fall and die. Yet it will produce much fruit. The hour had come for him to be glorified. He will be lifted up, John says. And John was thinking ahead, and, and, and he said, just so you'll know, he adds this one little verse. He said, and he said this to indicate the kind of death that he was to die. The hour has come. He will be glorified. He will be lifted up. Code words for Jesus' death. The bottom line here, I think, for us 
is a new way to look at suffering. A new way to look at our options when suffering is one of our choices. You know, I don't know what it is about humanity and this thing about suffering. Generation after generation after generation have thought that suffering meant that you had displeased God or that you had done something to, to make God turn his back on you. And as far back as Job, God tried to get the message across that that is not right. That is not correct. It's the message that Jesus himself tried to get across. Remember when he healed the blind man? And the people that were there then saw the healing said, this man is blind because of the sins of his father. And Jesus said, no, no, that is wrong thinking. The message here is that suffering is not just something to be endured, but it is something to be embraced it is something to be embraced and Jesus the son of God of all people is showing us how that is done he says we can't avoid darkness we can't avoid death but we can trust that God will bring about life. This year, we have all seen more than our share of suffering, of death, way more than normal. And we may not be able to avoid the darkness that surrounds us. But we can, like those in Isaiah, cling to the promise of Jesus. The promise that he is going to be with us as we go forward. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard message, if you will, to accept. Because I don't know about you, but I've always been taught that self-preservation and avoiding pain is the way to go. But as usual... Jesus' message turns that around. He turns that around. And he said that the suffering was the very reason he was brought to earth. And God confirmed his decision. So the message here 
is not just a reminder of Jesus' big decision to go forward and to be put to death, but it's a message for all of us. When we find ourselves in that place of suffering and pain and darkness, because we have the same choice how we're going to accept the future and the present that we're in. We have to make decisions like that every single day. I don't know about you, but I know that there are things in my life that I need to die to. Tough things that I have clung to dearly in this 64 years that I've been in this world. But they are things that are not worthy and not healthy for living the life that God has called me to. And I don't know if there's something that you have to die to in your own life. There will always come a time when there are issues of life and death for each of us. And we assume that the answer, we've been told that the answer is choose life, always. Choose life. But Jesus phrase that question just a little bit differently. For Jesus, the question was self-preservation or life-giving sacrifice. Self-preservation or life-giving sacrifice. Sometimes, we all will suffer. And sometimes we may even D-I-E. But even in those choices, it can be redemptive, not only for us, but for those around us. The hour has come. The time is near. Let us pray. Almighty God, we do know that there are times of suffering and hard decisions, Lord. And I'll just be honest, we're scared, Lord. We don't have the answers. But we know that you do, and you promise to be with us through it all. So, Lord, help us when we are faced with suffering when we are faced with those decisions of life and death. Give us 
the wisdom of your son, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray.